was nice. I like the ending of that. That was it's, good. That's all he liked was the ending. <laughs> Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, Team USA star Nick Chevetta. Hey everybody and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy at the world's best rugby pub, the Pig and Whistle, but we're on the Hidden Terrace here, which is not open for the public, for this very special interview with a very special guest, Mr. Nick Civetta of Team USA. Nick, welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Nick, question number one right out of the gate. I was in Denver when you got hurt and it looked bad, right? But what was your first thought when you were injured? Was it that I'm going to miss my World Cup dream, I'm going to miss my shot to get on that plane, or was it more, I'm going to miss my opportunity to go with USA attack coach Greg McWilliams to Rugby United New York now that he is the head coach there? <laughs> yeah, um, the immediate thought was about the, the World Cup. Well, actually, the first thought was, please put my goddamn ankle back in place. And then the uh, second thought was, well, this just about does it, doesn't it? So. Um, I got pretty lucky with the diagnosis and I've worked my ass off to rehab, so um, I'm pretty happy to be here. I'm very grateful to be here. I'm very, very lucky to be here. Um, and then there's obviously still the potential to join uh, Greg McWilliams at, uh, at the Roosters post-Rugby World Cup. So. All right, so yeah, that was some injury. And as somebody that's had that surgery, I, I was, you know, gutted for you. I was just meters away when it happened. but. Describe the feeling of relief when you were told, A, you didn't need the surgery, and B, the World Cup was still a possibility. Yeah, it was, uh, it was um, well, it was a rough couple days. Uh, you know, the, the boys had left for Fiji, and I was alone at the team hotel in Glendale, just like waiting for an MRI, waiting for a diagnosis. Um, and I think it was Tuesday night, I, I got the results of the MRI, and. The doctor was like, yeah, you dodged a massive bullet here. You're very lucky, no broken bones, um, no messed up cartilage. And he, uh, he gave me, you know, he was confident enough at that time to say, you know, if you, if you rehab this thing perfectly, then there's a chance to play in the World Cup. It wasn't even like, you know, guaranteed. It was just, you know, see how we go. And if, if you can run and if you can move, then, then it's on the table. So that's all I really needed to hear. Um, and that started the, the rehab process. And it also played in your favor that you're not Taku Nguyenia relying on speed, you're relying on your size. You're, you're like what, 6'8"? Yes, 6'8", and not fast. Nobody's perfect, pal, but let me ask you this, hard-hitting follow-up question. If you were 6'7", would there have been a spot for you on that plane? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe if I was 6'5", they wouldn't, but 6'7", uh, 6'8". Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, shifting gears a little bit. Rugby Rainman Junois Bleber and I were having a conversation and he brought up the fact that an NFL running back always takes his linemen out to dinner because he'd be nowhere without them. You got a guy, Joe Talfate, who is the leading try scorer for hookers in the history of world rugby. And without you guys pushing him from behind, he'd be nowhere. Don't you think he should be taking you out for steak dinners? Oh, that's a good point. 
he does do pretty well over there at Worcester. So maybe I'll maybe I'll ask him for a meal. Um, well, you know, he's got to throw the ball, and then we all got to work hard. So it's uh, it really is a group effort. You can't just. I'm happy that Joe takes credit for it because when he gets a try off them all, it makes us all look good. Okay, speaking of Joe and your fellow Eagle teammates, what does the number 498 mean to you? That's my that's my Eagle number. Um, yeah, I, I mean. It means a lot. It's, that that defines you know the moment I got my first cap against Romania, same day as Bryce Campbell, Marty Sefo, Dino Waldron, Madison Hughes, and maybe one more. Um, and a terrible, terrible loss to to Romania and Bucharest. But uh, that's uh, I mean that's the reason why I do it. You know, there's 500 guys who did it before me, and there'll be 500 guys who'll do it after me. All right, I thought I'd be able to sneak that one in and catch you off guard, but good, good on you, my friend. Your Eagle career basically started at the University of Notre Dame where you started playing rugby. And through travel and a lot of hard work, you're now on the Eagles, you've played professionally, you have some more opportunities. If you had to pick one guy in the tight five, another lock to play alongside of, who would that be? That's a tough question. I don't want to insult any of my teammates here. I, I love playing with all of them. Um, I like playing with Samu. I mean, he just makes your job easy. You know, I didn't have to carry. I could just tip the ball to Samu or, you know, we didn't have to worry about, you know, getting messed around with because no one wanted to mess around with Samu. And I played with a guy at Doncaster named Matt Challoner who was uh, like club captain, club legend. I think he played something like, well, I want to say 300, 350 professional games in his career and just like, was healthy every week and just powered through a lot of work and it was impressive you know he's not the most dynamic guy but you know, a lot of respect for a guy like that who can who can continue to play at a, at a high level for over a decade and getting back to that major league rugby theme nate brakely your fellow lock on the eagles right now he could be your partner with rugby united new york <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, that's a good locking partnership. We've played a lot together, so if we can continue it in the club game, I think we'd be a dangerous combo. And you're a kid from Scarsdale, right? Yeah, I am from the Burbs, indeed. Well, as I keep hammering home that notion that you should be playing for Rugby United New York in annoying fashion, uh, it, it would be like a homecoming for you because Scarsdale's close to the city. And I know that if they're playing in Staten Island, which my intel on the ground says is a possibility, playing and living and training, then you might be at home because, if I'm not mistaken, there's a few Guidos in Scarsdale. I know there's a bunch out in Staten Island. There, some of them are my best friends. Do you have any Guidos in Scarsdale? There are about four families of Guidos. <laughs> I guess you could consider my family one of them because we are one of the four or five Italian families in Scarsdale. <laughs> Did you do the whole pinky ring thing and the uh, the horn, that gold horn? <laughs> no, no, I was. Uh, I don't know. I think my parents just beat all that Guido stuff out of me as a kid. Hey, as urban white trash from Jersey City, I can empathize. <laughs> all right, shifting back to rugby questions that people definitely need to know the answers to. Japan, that's where you guys are. Years ago, I went to see Todd Clever play in Japan for the Suntory Goliath, and we were having a conversation, and I asked him on camera who the smelliest pack that he's ever played against. His answer was immediate. What's your answer? Smelliest pack I've ever played against. Whoa. Smelliest pack I've ever played against. That's a really interesting question. Canadians, probably. 
Canadians, I love it. That's a perfect answer. You hear that, Brian Ray? They, they <laughs> probably smell like the inside of hockey gloves. You know, that disgusting, cheesy smell. Anyway, I'm just kidding, Canada. Take it easy. Everybody, just save your letters. Save your letters. Todd Clever, by the way, he had said Uruguay. It was right immediate, like exact. It was right on the tip of his tongue. What's the smelliest pack you ever played against? Uruguay. Greasy. Mm. Smelly. Well, I, I guess I could say Brazil as well, but we were going backwards so fast we couldn't smell. Fair enough. Anyway, let's segue to your Twitter profile on which you describe yourself as a geotechnical nerd. Please explain. Um, yeah, it's very clever play on words, obviously. Um, um, yeah, well, I, I did a master's in geotechnical engineering. That's how I used to work as a geotechnical engineer in New York. And for a moment, that was what I was passionate about in life was uh, earthquake engineering. Um, and then I quit and decided to play rugby full time. So I've sort of forgotten most of that, but uh, hopefully remember enough to get myself a job when this is all said and done. Well, after seeing you nail it, doing the weather in Denver on camera, you have a home here anytime you want, buddy. Correspondent, <laughs> pundit, you'll be huge, literally. All right, while you're still smiling and before you answer, and the, the sun has gone down on us, which is always a sign, we'll end, because time is now a premium for you. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, but I'm really, really happy that you made it back. That's, that's good news. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, um, I feel very, very grateful and very, very lucky to, to be healthy, healthy enough, and um, obviously very humbled to represent my country and just wanna you know, do everyone proud and, and work my ass off. That's, that's what you gotta do. All right, everybody, that is Mr. Nick Chivetta, who is six foot eight, and you can't tell because he's sitting down. He's tall, dark, and handsome, and smart, and I thank you for coming on. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. And on that note, on behalf of Mr. Civetta or Civetta, I am Matt McCarthy here at the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street, with this first of many to come Rugby World Cup reports.